Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, trees and non-binaries, to another exciting episode of The Hostile Takeover, the weekly show where me and a very special guest talk about a game of their choice that they deeply love, know very well, or would like to rant about for 30 to 35 minutes because I would love the content and I have a wonderful spread of friends across the internet. I'm your host, Adam Ray, the Is a Tinkerer. And for those of you listening to us on Patreon, big thank you to your endless support. For those listening on Patreon, you get the full unedited version of the episodes without any of the interruptions or ad breaks, as well as all of our written works across the world of PC tabletop gaming, comics and manga news and reviews, fresh and early as we can possibly get them to you. And for those who are not listening on Patreon, do show us our support. It means everything. But in the world of gaming, I spread my sails far and wide, trying to get my utmost of a cross-section. I really started my creator work as someone DMing Dungeons & Dragons games for the fine people over at No Ordinary Heroes, but Dungeons & Dragons has led me to a very big and very wide community and has led me to playing on Gilding Light with my special guest, a very dear friend, a uh, patron of the glam rock arts and a uh, creator as varied and as respectable as myself, someone I am deeply inspired by and happy to have, Eddie the Discount Bard. How are you, my good friend? I'm doing quite all right. And I, I see what you did there, and I very much appreciate this, the spread my sales analogy there. I like to keep my, uh, my promotions and my off-the-cuff sort of emceeing as relevant as I possibly can, because we are going into the high seas for some uh, unexpected treasure on the shores of very strange pirate coves. But uh, just for our audience at home, Eddie the Discount Bard, who be you? What ship do you sail under? Who be I? What ship do I sail under? Uh, I'm Eddie the Discount Bard. I'm a general uh, creative TTRPG streamer and player. Uh, I started streaming on Twitch about uh, two and a half years ago prior to rebranding as the Discount Bard. I've also had a huge passion for Dungeons and Dragons, tabletop RPG games, uh, basically for uh, most of my life, although I only really got into it over the last couple of years, especially over the pandemic. Uh, I've also been a lifelong gamer. Gaming's always been a passion of mine, and it's uh, something that I find both as a hobby, but also as something that I'm just really passionate and happy to talk about. Yep, that's definitely the fine cadre of people I like to call to arms here on this show. Uh, usually we like to talk about where you first uh, raised anchor and sailed out into the world of gaming. I'm trying to keep the pirate flavor strong, as you can tell. But <laughs> I, I, Also, as, as, a, as a purveyor of puns and lover of all things along those lines, I very much appreciate where you're going with this. Oh, amazing. This is going to go absolutely plain sailing but in any case being serious uh what was your origin in gaming pc tabletop everywhere and anywhere what was your origin story my origin story in gaming that's a that's a great question uh i think that the first i was originally a console player uh because well pc gaming has come a long way since when i was a kid but also it's always been kind of a bit of a price barrier up until recent years so i started on console my first console that i owned was a sega genesis uh, I think probably the first, uh, I mean, the obvious one being Sonic the Hedgehog is being one of my early games that I got into. But I think the one that really uh, transitioned me over into calling myself a gamer were two titles that I'm not sure how well known they are still these days, uh, Vector Man and Dynamite Heady. Oh, those are titles I have definitely never heard of. But you know what? That makes me even more excited. Tell me about games I've never heard <laughs> of. I, I, I'd love to know. 
So both of them are uh, what would be known in current times as a platform, where essentially right. side-scrolling, you jump onto different levels, and of course you have a, everything's all in a 2D format. But you also, you know, gain power. Uh, in Vector Man, you gain powers over the course of time. Dynamite Heady is more kind of static. You just more interact with the map and the environment and do things over the course of that. But it's all about getting past, you know, challenging boss fights with mechanics that you have to try to figure out and uh, figuring out how those abilities factor into uh, progressing through each level. This was also during a time in which the notion of saved games did not exist. Ah, uh, of course, where roguelike <laughs> so started. So you had to do everything in one playthrough. Yep. I remember those days, but, just the the punishment of just like, nope, you've died, stuff in the beginning. Pretty much. But that was one of the things that I think really started driving me was the fact that I I rose to the challenge i very much appreciated trying to give my all to it each time i sat through and there's definitely been you know a few times where i've fallen into the stereotype of you know risking having to buy a new controller because i get just so frustrated with it but uh but it was definitely something that i always enjoyed was just the notion of being able to face a challenge and maybe not succeed the first time but face it again over and over until you learn and adapt and you figure out how to overcome these obstacles yep the uh, early games definitely knew how to put those challenges on that um i certainly remember uh some of the early tomb raider games that like where pc gaming pretty much started um myself and my father used to have that difficulty barrier if you died you go back to the beginning of the dungeon um, my father, the co-founder of this uh, podcast network, would like to have the record show that Lara Croft nearly ended his marriage. So <laughs> we can understand the difficulty that gaming started off, upset, especially back in the before times. Oh, yes. Uh, and I think that um, once I... Once I finally moved on to my next console, which was actually a Nintendo 64, uh, that was when... I think that I truly started to become obsessive with uh, with gaming, particularly one of the biggest ones there being Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. That's one that I definitely put hours into. I would lose course track of the time of day and such like that. Uh, my parents actually had to put time limits on my gaming uh, partially because of that at that time. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I don't know if you or any of the listeners at home heard the uh, sneeze in the background, but that is from the, my loving girlfriend, and she would definitely agree that an origin in the world of Hyrule and Zelda is definitely a very powerful and very sincere way to get started in gaming. I'm sadly late to the Zelda party, but it's been the origin for a lot of very cool people that I have a lot of respect for. So honestly, classic Zelda, maybe time watches are needed, but if it get, led to good gaming and good adventures, who could say no? <laughs> but uh, our joint love of TTRPG has brought us together as creators and as friends. But uh, where, as you said, it started in around like the world being closed in the pandemic. Uh, that was definitely a time when uh, TTRPG has sort of been in decline for me because I deeply love playing in person. But still, the TTRPG side sort of rose for you in this time. Or how did you get into? the dice rolly and in-person sort of gaming. Absolutely. So I, I think my first experience playing Dungeons and Dragons in particular uh, was in, I want to say uh, middle school. It was probably either sixth or seventh grade. I can't honestly recall at this point in time, but uh, it was 3.5, I believe was the version that they were at at the time. And 
you know, it was, it definitely took some getting used to, but I loved the notion of being able to essentially craft a narrative and tell a story in a freeform format that didn't necessarily exist in most of the other games that I was familiar with at that particular point in time. And I never got super into it. I mean, well, I guess that's not entirely true because I've definitely had, you know, stayovers at my friend's houses at that point in time where we would play until, you know, five, six in the morning and such like that and not sleep. So I guess it's not entirely earnest to say I didn't get thoroughly into it, but <laughs> I I've really got into it, especially over the last year, partially because of the fact that you know, with the inability to see people in person, the thing that I've said for the longest point in time since this pandemic started is, you know, if it, if there was going to be a worldwide pandemic and quarantine for everyone, what a time for it to happen. Because technology is at a place right now where, can, can you imagine living through the days of, like, the last plague that had happened in our country where we did not have these easy means of communication with each other, video conferencing, podcasting, all this sort of stuff where we just have this ability to communicate with each other remotely. Yeah, I think um, I think it would have been a very different and much scarier time. I think, unless my history is bad, I think it's the last time the world's ever been this closed and like scared of a virus was probably like maybe like AIDS in the 80s, but more likely like the Spanish flu just after World War One. Yes. So yeah, that was the one I was trying to think of. It just was at the tip of my tongue. I couldn't quite think. Yeah, the, yeah, the name of it was probably escaping. But yeah, the I think the closest analogy would be the Spanish flu after World War One, where mm -hmm. it technically killed more people than World War One did. But still that mm -hmm. thing of the uncertainty in the world being so closed is potentially very scary for quite a few people. So yeah, we're we're very grateful and fortunate now that we can still reach out and talk and converse and be as close as we possibly can while still being safe. And those yes. opportunities give us time for great games and great experiences. Uh, certainly, to that, just to see them out there. To that same note, um, because of how interconnected we are, just from a worldwide perspective, we're able to have conversations over vast distances that were seemingly impossible in days of past case in point this very interview that we're having here today it's true uh there is a five hour or not even five hour um bad maths eight hour time difference mm -hmm. between you and i but soon enough the borders are broken when we have good games and good company to talk with and to talk about but with the voyage and distance across the oceans in our minds, we can now switch back to our main event because I, when I started following your content, when we start, started becoming aware of each other, when we co-starred together on Gilding Light, I saw that you very regularly streamed a game that I've had some dabblings with, but I know that it's a game that I could sink many hours into. So my good pal, tell me a little bit about Sea of Thieves. Well, I will try to do you some honor here by firing away appropriately. Uh, <laughs> so um, Sea of Thieves is uh, a sandbox pirate game where essentially you can live your life as your pirate dreams. Uh, you often work with a crew and there's a lot of various things that you can do to just live your absolute pirate fantasy, whether that be pursuing adventure, acquiring gold, having great stories to tell, sometimes just, you know, having a grog with your friends. Um, it, start, it came out, I think it's on its three-year mark at this point, and honestly, there was not a lot to it when it first came out. 
which is probably one of the reasons why it had kind of like a lukewarm uh, release. But those who really got into it were passionate about it for a very long time. I admit I came into it mostly over, uh, I think I started my journey on the Sea of Thieves about a year and a half ago uh, when I really started getting into it. And well, there's a couple of reasons why it really appealed to me. I love the freeform format of the sandbox that allows you to have your adventure formed how, whatever way you like. But in particular for me, I've always had an affinity for, uh, for pirates and, you know, the, the stories of adventure and such that come with that. Pirates of the Caribbean was always my favorite ride at Disneyland. And, you know, I love the movies when they came out and all that good stuff. But one of the things that really appealed to me about Sea of Thieves in particular is the collaborative format of the game. I come from a theater background, and that was definitely one of the hardest things about being shut down and isolated away from everyone else, is that theater, for all intents and purposes, shut down over the course of the last year. Yeah, and Sea of, Thieves, sea of Thieves in particular offered an outlet for a lot of those same experiences that always drew me to theater in the first place. Because the way that the game functions in the first place, so in particular, uh, the largest ship that you can maneuver in this game is uh, the Galleon, which allows up to four players. It is possible, albeit incredibly difficult, to manage a ship that size on your own, because you need people to manage the sails, you need people to manage the cannons if you wind up in combat, and steering that vessel on your own is a difficult task so you really need to be able to communicate with your other players and you need to be able to work together to accomplish whatever goal it is you're trying to do whether it be you know something as simple as parking on an island which proves difficult for first timers or you know something as epic as fighting an armada of ghost ships it's yeah that's Honestly, the cross-section of what you can expect from piracy goodness as well as what you can expect from Hollywood piracy goodness. And we can de and there'll be some elements to that that I'll definitely want to touch on a little bit later. But sure enough, from what I from sadly what little I've played of the game, that something that I want to try and bring back to and some video content that I want to bring back to my channel. Um, it certainly seems very in-depth. It certainly seems like it's very mechanically entrenched so that it feels realistic despite the lightness of the art style i oh, yeah. feel like there's a lot to just like managing your ship being able to like manually load your cannons when you are in a combat situation oh you've been you've taken some damage well just like a real ship you're going to start taking on water and you're going to slowly start to sink oh, managing yes. all of the different pirate kills that i only got a faint taste of and you can of course set up your own and I love that you have such a fond, soft spot for the encouragement that it requires, like group play to like join a guild or to like badger your friends to play with you, so that you can actually have a crew to a ship. I think that's honestly a really good way ahead in gaming, and it's something that I feel led to the success of Among Us, like an actual collaborative mm -hmm. game that you play with friends intentionally. Oh, yeah. So that's a definitely a good thing to see. I I will say one other thing that I really thoroughly appreciate the game about the game in particular is the level of detail that they've incorporated for the purposes of immersion yes it does have a very stylized art style but if you just watch a sunset in that game the transition from night to day is just positively gorgeous i have managed to get so many scenic screenshots out of that game that have just been absolutely beautiful they they really put a lot of love and passion into the look of the game but the thing 
place where I feel like the game immensely shines as far as immersion goes is the level of detail that they have incorporated into their sound design. The yeah. water, the water, I have had friends play this game who have legitimately gotten seasick just from listening to and watching the waves of the ocean and the water because it's some of the most realistic water I have seen in any other game. Yeah, I had a bit of seasickness myself when I did my some of my test games on it. I was playing it on yes. a larger monitor, but I hadn't calibrated the frame size properly. So there was a little bit of frame loss and I was like, trippy. No, thank you. Oh, absolutely. But just, you know, the the thing that really tripped me up the first time was when i uh so one of the things you can do in the game is you can play a musical instrument which the thing that i love about that is that you can have your other crewmates play each of the other instruments together and the game will automatically synchronize the song together to whatever it is that you're playing that's amazing but whoever starts the song depending on what instrument you're playing has the lead melody right so it, it can change depending on who starts it on what instrument so it just naturally synchronizes it uh, however well and whatever they're playing. Whether it'll sound good or not, that's up to them, but it's still going to make everything else work around it. That's really interesting. Yes. And when you and if you were to jump into the water and play your instrument, the w- instrument sound changes when you are underwater. When you drink a uh, pint of grog and you end up getting inebriated, the sound of your instrument changes. <laughs> Like they put so much attention to detail in the different sounds and how those sounds immerse you with interacting with the world that it's easy to get lost in the game, which is honestly half of the fun of the experience. Yeah, it certainly sounds it because that level of visual and sound immersion to really sort of make you feel as though you're in this world of the high seas with all these swashbucklers is exactly what you want to try get your investment there. So that level of care and attention is very needed for a sandbox immersive game like this. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the night. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton. And I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogur. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not fuck. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents... Mad Love. The Harley Quinn cast. (laughs) Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. 
That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion podcast network. In a world of stereotypes, being called a geek comes with a certain image. There is still that ingrained thing within me that is a little bit embarrassed about it. In reality, geek culture has never been more mainstream, and behind every geek is a real story. My dad was the one who got me into Star Wars and things. Join me, your super dummy Paul, as I continue my learning experience and talk to the real people. I'm a secondary school teacher, so I teach 11 to 16 year olds in English. Hear their stories exclusively on fantastic universes. He's one of them like, you've ever gonna grow up? And I'm like, no, why should I? I, I like my life, I, I enjoy what I do, this is my hobby. Available on all your favorite podcast catchers. Hi, my name's Steve, and I'm here to tell you all about the DC Comics News Podcast. Every week, my friends and I sit down and discuss everything DC. Movies, TV and streaming, comic books, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Whatever the case, you can find the DC Comics News Podcast on every podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere else you find podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. So, with the game this big and this ambitious, uh, talk me through like a general session of four hours of like carved out play, probably with yourself, probably with others. So you could literally just pick up a commission or a quest and go sail to parts unknown. So one of the things that I absolutely love about uh, playing the game is that we we do have kind of often a rough semblance of an idea of what it is that we want to do at the start of our session but cards on the table nine times out of ten we end up diverging off onto a path that's completely different from what our initial goal was uh simply because just 
matters of either whatever happens on the world spawn. Also, because of the fact that it's a uh, PvPVE game, it could be that you end up having an encounter with another player that completely ends up changing your plans off the get-go. There's world events that happen randomly that spawn that might end up diverting your course as well. So while the initial goal is almost always the same, acquire as much gold as you can and then turn it in so that you can, you know, safely walk away with your treasure and enjoy it, uh, that can change depending on whatever it is that happens in the world during your particular session. Yep. Uh, so, <clears throat> sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so um, there's enough extra variety and changes that can crop up from either the world where you've started and other players that can make any game just like feel truly unique, which is, I think, definitely what you would want on a sandbox experience like that. Absolutely. And that's, well, that's also one of the things that really, and this again comes back to my theater background, one of the things, and this might sound kind of masochistic in a way, but one of the things that I've always enjoyed about uh, working as a theater tech and a live events technician is crisis management. And that's something that this game flourishes in because there are so many different situations that can just turn on a dime in terms of the level of crisis that you were having to deal with. Because one minute you could just be sailing peacefully down the seas, the next minute you are under cannon fire or a megalodon attacks or you're under the attack of a kraken. Or it could just be that you have an incompetent helmsman, <laughs> myself, who ends up crashing you into a rock. <laughs> oh dear. I think I saw... Just, yeah. I think I saw recently on TikTok um, some genuine sailors had tried out Sea of Thieves for the first time and they were immediately caught in an encounter with some ghost pirates and some sort of sea monster. And mm -hmm. it was two like veteran sailors just actually having some manner of like dazed panic trying to deal with like them taking on water, them trying to reload their munitions. Oh, yeah. And it was only two players on a medium-sized ship. So they were really feeling the pressure. But then again, it's great that that level of variety can actually challenge people who, quote unquote, know what it's like on the high seas. But that's one of the things I think that really is the continual draw and appeal of the game is the fact that each experience, each session is different. You never quite know what you're getting into, because even if you come in with some semblance of a plan, it'll change. And that crisis management is another example of how collaboration is so and communication especially is so immensely important in this game it's so critical to know that you know hey we're under attack up here we're on the cannons oh is someone checking below deck to make sure that we're not taking on water oh i got the water taken care of oh but we're on fire back here oh okay is someone taking care of that yeah i got that hey can someone get the sails while and all this is happening simultaneously so the ability to communicate under that pressure and not talk over each other and to be able to manage all these tasks simultaneously is both a terrifying but also immensely satisfying experience you get all you get a real cross section of different sort of responsibilities that you'd need to manage you get a sense that some people need to be able to work around and honestly i love actual cooperation in co-op games like this i mm -hmm. it bothers me when we get because I have friends who are like this, where you get people together on a co-op game and we're all saying that we're all going to be doing a thing, but then one person sort of goes off and just does their own sort yep. of thing and actually comes back and starts like either attacking or dicking with the quote-unquote team. That, that yeah. stuff really bothers me, but it feels like that there can be times where encounter, random encounters will just drop and you can really cost everyone that if, you do, if you're not all on the same page. And that's a thing that really sells me on that. 
Well, that's one of the things that's also, you know, that can be kind of terrifying in this game is that everything all comes down to, you know, whatever loot that you acquire over the course of time, you're storing it on your ship, but that loot is not safe until you actually turn it in at an outpost. So it's one of the reasons why things can really turn to a crisis is that, yes, there are no stakes in the sense that if your ship gets sunk, you know, you'll just get another ship and that's easy, no problem. So there's no sweat in terms of losing any sort of monetary investment or anything like that in the game. However, you know, you do a bunch of different uh, quests and you end up getting, you know, an entire ship full of treasure. And then suddenly, you know, a Megalodon comes out of nowhere and you're at risk of sinking. That could possibly end up losing you a couple of hours worth of loot acquirement. And that's one of the things that can be frustrating in the game if you don't end up uh, rescuing it but at the same time it also makes it that much more satisfying when you manage to get through to the end and go yes i managed to acquire this treasure i've saved it i've turned it in and now you know not only did i just get a you know a uh reward for my efforts but i also managed to have you know a great adventure along the way Yep, you get the real sense of adventure that way because you get the reward at the end and it feels worthwhile for just compiling it all together. I definitely know that uh, a relatable sort of frustration I got where I just coated myself in treasure and glory and then suddenly died was uh, Minecraft back when I used to play that quite regularly. Just going oh, yeah. down a dungeon, just getting like a bunch of, a bunch of redstone, a bunch of diamond, just filling myself up with like multiple stacks of coal and getting to the top, realizing it's nighttime and getting eaten by a skeleton. So that frustration can be, I think, kind of prevalent in sandbox games where you are encouraged to collect and to generate treasure and just to build up your resources because with with treasure like that, you can lose it. But I think that the appeal of it being your team coming back together as well as just the nature of the danger of the high seas makes it an acceptable loss because you you're an adventurer and those losses can still happen but it still hurts so you're in, you're encouraged to go through those play loops but then again the play loops are so varied that you never feel bad about it absolutely well one of the things i think also helps with that as well is that um i mean you know digital currency is digital currency no matter which way that you swing it but in sea of thieves in particular i think one of the appeals of it is that whether you are a novice or a veteran player of the game everyone has the exact same equipment available to them so the skill cap is basically just based on experience there is no in-game benefits uh to having been a player longer except for just you know familiarity with the game and the mechanics uh everything in the game that you acquire over time is cosmetics so that simultaneously lowers and it lowers the stakes to a point at which you can enjoy the game casually, but also still gives you enough. There's enough uh, cosmetics and stuff, which, you know, you can, you know, peacock your winnings and stuff like that to other players and go, hey, look at this cool thing that I've got because of all my work I put into the game uh, that there's still something to be said for some of the quote unquote bragging rights you can have for having acquired things from being in the game for a while. But the stakes are also low enough that, you know, you can adapt to the early game struggles without it being completely soul crushing. That is an incredibly fair way to do that. I know a lot of sandbox games that probably haven't and probably wouldn't. They would encourage you to be able to grind and just to have all of the stuff prepared. And if you have died through no fault of your own, sucks to be you, go back up the skill ladder from the beginning. 
So that that format is actually incredibly refreshing, and I really, really like that as a as a format. I I need to carve out a lot of time and get some get some mateys together to uh, to finally play some of this. I, I, it takes hearing about it from someone who knows the game and is very passionate and fervor about it to thank you. This is this has been more than just like it has been good just to, to talk about it. So thank you for this. Wonderful. I'm I'm glad. I, I I love this game so much. I have a lot of passion for it. And I really encourage people who are on the fence about it to try it out because it is a fun experience. I will say it's not for everyone because, you know, again, everything that you acquire in the game is cosmetics. It's not like you have a level up grind or something that you're working on. But even so, it's still fun to have an adventure and the collaboration and the stories that you can share. And sometimes just the funny moments are all worthwhile. Yeah, uh, that would get to our usual segment in the show where we recommend who uh, you would recommend this game to. But it certainly sounds like those who would appreciate a strong adventure, uh, strong camaraderie and consistent challenges would be the ideal pick, right? Absolutely. And the nice thing about the game is you can play it how you want. So you want to have an adventure, have an adventure. You want to, you know, hardcore grind all that gold, you can do that too. But sometimes, you know, you might just want to be silly and launch yourself out of a cannon just to see how far you can get. And all those are acceptable formats because your sea of these adventure is whatever you make it to be. And it's certainly an adventure that I think I myself and hopefully you listeners at home will uh, embark upon. Raise anchor, ready the sails. We're going monster hunting because, yeah, actually, yeah, this isn't a, like a big format question. This is just for my own curiosity. What are the sea monsters like, and what are the other enemies like, like the non-player enemies? So, there's actually been a recent update to the game. They, I don't know how much you know, but they see if these recently made a deal with uh, Disney for some Pirates of the Caribbean content, and with that, they've incorporated a whole bunch of new enemies uh, as part of their. Uh, content so the things that have always existed you can always fight skeleton enemy skeleton pirates who will fight you on the shores or they might they might be manning skeleton ships that you'll have to fight along your way but in terms of sea monsters there's also giant megalodon sharks that'll attack your ship uh, on occasion you might run into a kraken there's also skeleton ghost bosses that you can fight there's flameheart who is one of the primary uh antagonists uh who say who uh runs an entire ghost armada who will fight your ship uh then of course they have the pirates of the caribbean content where you can have adventures with jack sparrow and some of the other characters from pirates of the caribbean face off against davy jones and some other enemies like that there are sirens you can face off against there, there there's a whole slew of different foes that you can face in this game and shape your adventure uh all of them differing in terms of challenge, all of them differing in terms of what the experience is going to be like. Excellent. Yeah, I, I just I just wanted to take that question on at the end of the, for my own curiosity. But yeah, I had heard about the expansion featuring like the Pirates of the Caribbean characters. It seemed like a natural choice, but it would be hard logistically and legally to sort of get them around. But the fact that they were in has led to some fairly interesting content from some of my favorite creators in and around the game. So I'm glad there's been an inclusion that they were able to sort of swing in a way have you been did you end up enjoying those expansions as well like in, as an extra addition oh absolutely there was such a nostalgia element to the incorporation of those elements in the game i will say when the trailer first dropped just hearing the simple melody of yo ho yo ho oh, yeah. i got chills down my spine because that's my childhood right there <laughs> yeah me too um but 
the way that they incorporated the elements of Pirates of the Caribbean into the game was just such a level of nostalgia from uh, the earlier missions where you get to meet Jack Sparrow and have adventures with him to other incorporations such as elements of the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. There's actually one level in particular where you actually get to experience walking through the world that was created for the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, including some of the original sound effects and voiceovers and all those elements that just make it such a nostalgic experience. That's such a great level of attention to detail and care that I can honestly expect to come out of this game consistently now. So that care and attention is so good in the expansion and makes me even more excited to finally uh, pitch on my sails and go on a adventure. So thank you for appearing and talking about a game that I know that you know and love very dearly. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I always love talking about Sea of Thieves. And I'm sure we can find an excuse if there's a find a time that if there's another big expansion like it, or if there's another game that you jam with just as much love and attention, if you are so willing, you are very welcome to appear here on Hostile Takeover again, if your heart desires. Oh, absolutely. It's been an absolute pleasure. But until, but until then, where can our dear listeners and viewers find you and your workings? Absolutely. So I'm Eddie. You can find me on all the various social medias at Discount Bard. Uh, you can also find me on twitch.tv slash Discount Bard, where I stream regularly over the course of the week, usually Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, that might be changing a little bit in the near future, but primarily Tuesdays and Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, sea of Thieves, as has been mentioned, is my primary game of choice, but I also do... Uh, other variety content, including miniature painting. Sometimes I talk about some of the characters I create for the various tabletop RPGs that I take part in, including uh, a regular ongoing campaign that is now starting over at uh, twitch.tv slash DM screening, where I play a delightful little chaotic goblin artificer that I'm very fond of. Ah, uh, uh, cool. <laughs> Uh, it's because in a friend's game, I'm going to be also be starting to play a Goblin Artificer, uh, someone who very much appreciates uh, explosives. So I feel like that character and my character will get on very well. Oh, absolutely. Now, here's here's the real question. Does your character enjoy eating sticks of butter? Um, I don't think so. I think <laughs> I think my my goblin's like as serious as a goblin could possibly get just willing to see all right so if i put this explosive stuff together with this explosive stuff together how big will the explosion will be they're a very rational goblin as rational as goblins could possibly get so i don't know how much they like butter <laughs> that's fair no uh that that happens to be uh arts who's the name of my goblin favorite snack is sticks of butter and uh he th- my my little chaos goblin delights in finding the combustible properties of food, such as mayonnaise. Okay, so <laughs> they'll be they'll be united in their love of blowing things up. Okay, as long as there's a Indeed. as long as there's an overlap between arts and Gricklick, there will be there will be a much adventure to be had. Oh, wonderful! I love it, Gricklick. That's a great name too. Yeah, I I, don't know, I somehow when I was writing the backstory for that character, I just included lots of random like. K and like R sounds in like the goblin language. So like it was Gricklick, Draklick. Well, but they will also very much appreciate, they'll also very much appreciate my fur companion, Dulcar. Oh, amazing. Delightful little skunk. Oh, it's always good to have a little uh, pet. uh, Dulcar is goblin for flower. Oh, wow. That's, that's very nice. (laughs) 
you're able to get a real sense of it. That's that's really good and lovely little bit. Of, I like that a lot. Just like a, a care and attention to the details in the character is really sells things through. I love it. But care, care and attention to details one is one of the things I love about doing characters in tabletop RPGs. And as was mentioned prior, that's one of the things that I love about Sea of Thieves. And I think one of the things that keeps drawing people back to it. And certainly a thing that has drawn me to it, indeed. Uh, as for myself, I make quite a bit of content in and around the universe. You can find me on Twitter at IsItTinkerer, as well as other, various other social meds. To twitch.tv forward slash IsItTinkerer, you can find me Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays on 2 to 4 p.m. British summertime, streaming various card games of all kinds, the games that I find myself truly loving and obsessed with consistently. Uh, look for more viewing pleasure. Look to No Ordinary Heroes on YouTube for my D&D Let's Plays with some very dear people. I dungeon mustered for them and they got me as a content creator. And look to my PC Let's Plays on the Hostile Atmosphere on YouTube. The things across the entire breadth of PC gaming soon to feature Sea of Thieves. You've heard it here first. And if I go back on this promise, you have the right to set me on fire. Uh, for my written work, for your Dungeons & Dragons flavoured things, look to the Apotheosis Studios blog for monsters, magic items, and situations to level up your TTRPG experience. And for PC and tabletop gaming news, look to the founder and forger of this show, Fantastic Universes, for all of that news. And do again consider following us on Patreon for all of that news and advanced and unedited versions of these podcasts there in advance for your viewing and listening and reading pleasure. This has been the Hostile Takeover. Thank you to Eddie the Discount Bard for featuring to talk about Sea of Thieves and thank you again for listening. Until next time, live free and play well.